Danny Zuko Sr. Probably, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's, he's not a pious man. <laughs> 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 At least he wasn't back in his day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hello. Again? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I got places to go, people to see. <laughs> Dragging well, this out all night. Well, it's not I, like we started on time and <laughs> we're ahead of schedule. That is true. <laughs> well, I am Alan. You are. And uh, hello and welcome to it. <laughs> God damn it, I'm all fucked up now. Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. It is. I am Alan and uh, joined by a graduate of uh, Colonel Bob's School for Bad Boys. Brent, <laughs> and a uh, man saluting Casper the Friendly Ghost, <laughs> Ski. As often as I can. <laughs> Today we're going to be going over uh, Golden Palace episode 11, or as they like to say, season 8 episode mm-hmm. 11. Camp Town races aren't nearly as much fun as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Ski is going to be doing our recap today. Thank God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> <laughs> this could go many ways, most uh. of them bad. <laughs> I would say all. Yeah. Ski is what we like to call a sympathizer. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, you know, it, it's one of those things. It is that, what you like to call me, yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can make the argument that, um, you know, we hit a low point in season one, episode 20. Mm-hmm. And in order for the bell curve to be complete, we need another <laughs> low point right. this week. <laughs> and we got it. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We got it. <laughs> well, um, would you guys like to hear? I had a bunch of things that I thought would have been a good openings. Would you like of to course. hear a few? Yeah, let's hear more about your openings. Okay. I know you enjoy <laughs> any news of my openings. <laughs> you were going on about proctology earlier. <laughs> well, speaking of my openings, I uh, I was going to introduce uh, Ski as without his clothes. He looks like Wee Willy Winky. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Does have the wee willy. And for Brent, I was going to introduce him as a, he, uh, I can't remember what it's, oh, he lines up for a little piece of sausage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I thought about introducing one of you as a a very modern thinker, Mm -hmm. um, and then as a a shameless painted cow who would let anybody milk him. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about introducing, this one was for Ski for sure, but uh, he was married in a pasture where he used to graze. Um, so that's Still it. does. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I have one other thing here, but uh, I think it was a something beast doing it on the floor. I can't remember. What, I'm not sure what that middle word was. <laughs> <laughs> I even had Ski's name mentioned after that one. And that's how sure I was. So, uh, well, one other thing before we let Ski jump into the recap, uh, yeah. in case I didn't say he's doing that today. Yeah. Would you guys like a listener interaction, or would you guys like a review? Uh, listener interaction. All right. Well, we'll have a new review next week then. No, let's do the review this week. You want to do the review this week? Yeah. Okay. See, because you offered the choice last week, mm-hmm. and I went with listener interaction because I was afraid the review would like impact my uh. whatever, and I didn't want that stuck in my head as I was <laughs> doing it. But like next week, 
I've got the introduction and stuff like that. So again, I don't want that review. Oh, okay, hanging over me. your head. Exactly. <laughs> well, this would not have tainted you, but uh, this is a review on iTunes, and it says yes with several S's. Nice. Um, this is the from extra a, S's mean good. Yeah. <laughs> this is from a Karis MTQ. So nice. um, I'm not sure what what that would equal Thank out to, but anyways. Thank you, ma'am. Yep, and she's, is she's, it in response to the no or no? No, it says, uh, <laughs> the yuck. <laughs> yeah, I work evenings, nights, so while driving home from the hospital at two or three or four in the morning, the only ones keeping me company are random messed up people running <laughs> in, into the middle of the road. Skis people. Yeah, pimps with their associates. <laughs> Alan's people. Associates. <laughs> and these three gentlemen. Oh, thank you. We're in, we're in yeah, good company. Exactly. Um, love hearing the recaps. The longer, more detailed, the better. Yeah, yeah. And they're uh, fun-living personalities coming through, ha. Huh? It's a good mix of frat guy, socially conscious, golden girls lover, regular person humor, and it's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm only caught That's up through uh, January 2022 episodes, but thanks, guys, and keep up the growth, or the good work. That's really nice. Thank yeah, you. That's really that was nice. very nice. Yeah. I try to make it slightly nicer by saying keep up the great work, but I did correct myself. The okay. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> Manage those expectations. Yeah. <laughs> We go from good to great. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally satisfied with good. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> More than we probably deserve. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, thank you very much. We, yeah, indeed. Any messages and any uh, any comments, any reviews, we very very much appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. So, even the yucks. Um, yeah, we don't appreciate them as much. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but we still Just, appreciate the time. Yeah. Well, we appreciate any yuck as long as it provides a bit of context as yeah. far as why you feel that way. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, it why would be is nice. it that you hate us so? In a way, it's funnier though without the context. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Just yuck. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that you're disdain. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I don't have anything else before this one. So, ski. If you're ready to kick us off, jump so, in. Last week, uh, Brent sent us a text saying, "Got through my initial viewings of 10, 11, and 12, following up with a big Gavin say." May God have mercy on Ski's soul. <laughs> and then sent us this recap, which I almost tried to pass off as just the only thing I had. Mm-hmm. But then I've got this whole page printed in, mm-hmm. in our text conversations. I made mm-hmm. specific comments that I had uh, been printing this off. So right, yeah. I kind of killed my own bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it goes, uh, when the daughters of the traditional South are set to arrive at the hotel... Blanche hangs a Confederate flag on the front counter, though this doesn't bode well with Roland. Meanwhile, Rose is outraged when a married man whom she knows checks in with or Rose is outraged when a married man whom she knows checks in with his mistress. And of course the uh, the bit is that uh, anything having to deal with race relations is dumped on ski. Right. <laughs> it was just luck of the draw. Indeed well, yeah, yeah. I'm just... Brent made the schedule. So this luck of the draw. No, it, it was just a sequence, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we decided, it's like, this is the sequence that we will go in. Which <laughs> was, was the Lord's choice. Exactly. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite running joke between you supporting Professor Cooper with Skeeby and a racist? I mean, they're both great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I use the term joke loosely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do we have one for you? I don't think so. I think yes, we do. Management. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. Management. Well, yeah. Being the one percent in, in, in charge. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that I'm getting the best. <laughs> oh, I agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> I may be oppressing the the you know working class, but at least I'm not oppressing women or minorities. Exactly. So, unless of well, course they're part of the working class. <laughs> none of that gets to the forefront. Am I right? That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. As far as Alan's concerned, you know. All that money makes the problems go away. <laughs> yeah. Me and your content, it's just grist for the mill. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep the corporate machine running. Exactly. We got Q3 reports due. <laughs> if you two aren't up to the job, pick me as right there waiting in the exactly. wings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who are the ones that filled in for us the one time? Bianca and Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you'd remember. I, I, all right, so you want to hear my version of that one? Your and version the, of that recap? Yes. Is it just as brief? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our reviewer will love this because they said the more detailed, the better. Oh, okay, very nice. Um, 
Yeah, it is funny because so she also said that she appreciated our, you know, socially progressive attitude. So try to keep that in mind too. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what I can pull out here. So, see, one barrier that he's had for the last, I don't know, <laughs> eight to twelve months has been a faulty printer um, <laughs> that he's either been out of ink or couldn't get to connect to the computer correctly or whatnot. Um, so he, you know, a few times he's had me print it out for him. A few times he's run to his job and printed it out there. And, you know, kind of recently when he didn't have his own capability to print, he had mm-hmm. gone to a more human-sized font. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see now that since it's his own ink and paper mm-hmm. he's using, he's gone down to like a .5 font on, yeah. his, on this two-page. Hey, it's eight. <laughs> eight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I... You know, your LASIK surgery is still holding up well that you're able to read that 8-point font, so uh-huh. good for you on that. But, yeah, it does make, uh, I don't know, it makes for an overwhelming-looking page with all those letters and lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, I'm just stingy. And also, when my wife got her uh, our new ink cartridges, uh, so previously we used the uh, all-black. It was the XL size. Mm-hmm. She got the regular so I am wondering if this will last this long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if she got the regular versus the XL, it should not last as long. I mean, that is kind of how it works. Well, but well I'm saying, like the XL is like double, double and a half. Right. Almost. Yeah. So just Listen, trying to conserve, so I don't have to try to ask other people for help or run to work. Go down more. to a six point, and it'll last six just point? as long. <laughs> <laughs> so you you can take it away, Ski. All right. Season 8, episode 11, or season 1, episode 11, if you wish. Uh, episode Ski's, Ski's got an 8. I've got an 11. That's, <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> Camptown races. As long as I've got a 12. <laughs> well, you are management, so. Yeah. It's all in the paperwork. Camptown races aren't nearly as much fun as they used to be. Because that's an excellent title for some reason. Original air <laughs> <laughs> It just seems long and confusing. And if you want to know the reason, find a better podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that like you go through and like the the audience laughed because that was funny for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> like you just have no sense of humor. The audience <laughs> laughed because the applause sign came on. <laughs> The original air date was December 4th, 1992. I have no events that corresponded to that. But my sister, uh, her birthday is the day after that. So. December 5th. Mm-hmm. Nice. Happy birthday. And your birthday is three days prior to that. It is indeed. Oh, nice. So you guys are both... December what? babies, yeah. Like, what's the sign for that? Oh, um, Sagittarius, I think. Yes. Okay. I'm a Scorpio. I'm an Aquarius. Hmm. It's the dawning of my age. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this one was written by Mark Sotkin and directed by Lex Paceris. We open up in the kitchen. We see uh, Chewie is preparing food. And Blanche comes in and tells him that, you know, she wants everything to be perfect for a group that's checking in today. The daughters of the traditional South, as I refer to them henceforth, the dots. The dots, okay. He puts on a satiric drawl and asks if he should cook up a possum. I did like his little impression. Yeah. She uh, shoots him a serious look and re- reiterates that this is a very imp- important group for her. Just then, Sophia comes down the stairs into the kitchen, telling Blanche that she has placed mints on all the pillows for her incoming southern bales. Mm-hmm. Blanche looks at the empty box Sophia was carrying and tells her that, that she just uh, put... Uh, phenomints on those pillows. And for those who don't know, because I didn't. Yeah, neither The phenomint is a mint-flavored laxative. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, was able to uh, figure Discern. it out through context clues, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't some a term I was familiar with or a brand I was familiar with. Well, I wasn't sure if they were, like, chocolate specifically. Like, the, the picture that I found online made it look like it was just, like, almost like a chiclet. Oh, okay. But, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. these ones that they put on were, like, some, some kind of mint. So. Yeah, I mean, they got what they deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sophia jokingly responds. <laughs> weird laugh I had there. Sorry. Sounded forced. <laughs> like, like, I need to laugh at the racist. <laughs> Sophia jokingly responds that around 2 a.m., the South will rise again. Mm-hmm. See, and that's what made me think it was like a Viagra type thing. Uh. 
That's actually one of the reasons I looked up was I wasn't entirely sure, but she does mm-hmm. the Southern Bells. Mm-hmm. So I I thought it could either be like, so like the Rising to go to the commode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I figured it was either that or maybe some kind of like excitement type pill or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Speed. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if those per- sexual performance pills were a thing in '93, were they? Ask Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was not. <laughs> you had that one ready to go. <laughs> He's always on the brain for some. Because yes. <laughs> I love pudding, all right. Pudding pops are good. I like the pudding pops. The skin on them. That's my favorite part. The skin on them. Yeah. The, you mean the wrapper? <laughs> I don't remember there being like a skin on them. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, I guess, but. I don't recall there being a anything I need to skim off the top of my pudding pops. No. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's a joke there that I'm not no, going to get. <laughs> Apparently, you guys didn't savor them the way I did. <laughs> did you just let them melt into a bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I like my my pudding nice and liquid the way it's meant to be. <laughs> Refrigeration is of the devil. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, at the front desk, Oliver is heading out. Who? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oliver is heading Who? out. Rose stops him and asks if he's finished with his homework. He explains to her in, in a disrespectful tone that uh, his, his, he's finished with his science work and will do the math later. She asks uh, to check it, and he hands her a folded piece of paper, claiming that it's about uh, electromagnetic pool of astral black holes and their effect on ultraviolet rays. Upon hearing this, Rose simply hands it back, saying that it looks fine. Yeah. My personal take, she didn't really check it. <laughs> I think she just worried that she wouldn't understand it. Moreover, I think that maybe Oliver told her a fake topic to intentionally garner such a response from poor, simple Rose. I don't know. I believe he walks out the front door into a black hole. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Oliver exits, we trip. do not see him again. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is odd, because, I mean, this is his, I mean, I'll get to this at the end, but this is his seventh of eight episodes, um, <laughs> but it's his first one we've seen in, like, five episodes. Yeah. He was in the first six, and then he, was, he hasn't been in the last, you know, I'm, I'm five guessing or, maybe this was, like, a contract thing, or, like, you promised he'd be in this one, and he... Uh, possibly, or maybe the writer just, like, I really like that joke, so we're going <laughs> to keep Oliver in for this one scene in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Wouldn't it be weird to find out later on that Oliver was cast to be in every episode, I, but he just got the axe so many times because of bad acting or bad writing? I'm sure he was. He was in the credits, yeah. so I'm sure that he was intended to be, you know, a mainstay on the show, not, you know, end up disappearing after, you know, I'm sure viewer complaints six episodes <laughs> in. <laughs> Maybe that episode they didn't have enough other good footage to fill up their 23 mm-hmm. minutes or whatever. Yeah, and so he got were... more airtime than poor old Coco, yeah. at least. That's true. Yeah. Well, Chuck Cunningham, they just sent him upstairs and never to be heard from again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he leaves and we don't see him the rest of the episode. An older man and an attractive younger woman enter and approach Rose, uh, telling her that they're there for a reservation under Smith. That's Charles Napier. She mm-hmm. uh, hands him a book, a logbook to sign and walks over to Blanche, who just stepped uh, behind the check-in desk. She asks Blanche if she notices something odd about the couple. But then also tells her, don't look. I like the fact that you say that's Charles Napier as if you're like, that's not Mr. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying about his name. That's Charles Napier. What was in response to him saying he was a handsome man? Uh, it's like, Charles Napier is a handsome man. Uh, I didn't say handsome man. I said older man. Really? Yeah. Well, Charles Napier is an older man. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can believe that if you went. He is not an ugly man. <laughs> I've seen an ugly man, he says, as he looks at me. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. I say it when I look in the mirror, Brent. I've said many times, like, the, I don't know, the nicest compliment that I give to my friends, typically, at least appearance-wise, mm-hmm. is that I don't know what an attractive man looks like, but I know what an ugly man looks like, and none of you qualify as that. <laughs> and that helps me sleep at night, Alan. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. <laughs> Alan thinks I'm pretty. <laughs> Gorgeous, I would say. I like to think Steve's, you know, on his knees next to his bed. 
Dear Lord, thank you for making Alan think I'm pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, the idea of you saying that and then Helena being like, I'm glad someone does. Then she rolls over. (laughs) 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 Anyway, yeah, so she will hand him a log book and then walks over to Bland and says, you notice anything weird about them and don't look. Um, but then she expounds that they had checked under the name Smith, mm-hmm. uh, but she knows for a fact that the man, that's not the man's last name. It's Napier. <laughs> Charles Napier. <laughs> Blanche assumes that this is simply means the room will be uh, free in a few hours. Right. But uh, Blanche hands the man the key to room 207. Rose is upset, though, and tells Blanche that she used to work with that man's wife, and, uh, which is not the woman he's with today. She says that uh, she had seen him previously at Christmas parties, but that he likely did not recognize her since she was not wearing her elf costume. Blanche asked Rose if she's uh, glad they decide she wouldn't wear her elf costume at the hotel. Uh, she retorts that she was, it wasn't much of a decision uh, once Blanche cut off all the bells. Side note, this is an interesting exchange. Watch the very next episode to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. It's a good tease. Get the list. Get the listeners back for another That's episode. Right. <laughs> like, well, this one sucked, but yeah, <laughs> I have now been intrigued. That's right. Mm-hmm. You should tune in next week, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I, fun I hope going. You do. Yeah. yeah, solid episode. It is. It is fun Ooh. intro. Mm-hmm. Say what? It was fun a fun intro? introduction. It'll be fun intro. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be, a, it. it'll be a serviceable recap. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Five star intro, you know, three star recap. That's a solid four. That's yeah. <laughs> and, and a four star game to go with it. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Nice. Is this going to be another one where you make us play short skins? More or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be uh, short through skins. <laughs> well, what did I say? <laughs> you said shirts or skins. I yeah. said shorts or skins. <laughs> What's that mean? Pants or no pants? Donald Duckin' it. You know, as long as I can stay seated at this <laughs> opaque table, uh, sure. <laughs> I am management, a, after all. It's a stand-in game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think I want anybody's bare ass in these chairs. Because mm-hmm. even after this podcast is over, these chairs will live on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rose again asserts that she is not happy that quote, sin is occurring in their hotel. Hmm. Uh, Blanche rightfully tells her that that is a glass house she doesn't feel she can throw stones at. Yeah, that was a good Blanche line. Uh, roll, that may be my favorite line, yeah. actually. But, I mean, we know for a fact, you know, Rose has gone to a hotel with Miles before, yeah. you know, and Arnie as well. <laughs> I mean, there is, though, a difference between the sin of, uh, you know, premarital coitus mm-hmm. and uh, adultery. Yeah. So I think... I think one. I don't know. I guess I like to think Kyle looks the other way on one. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's over there. It's like, well, as someone who's had both, let me tell you. (laughs) I like to think of God watching me. Exactly. <laughs> Don't look away, God. Exactly. <laughs> like him judging me. Yeah. <laughs> God's like a cow in the barn. How can you not? <laughs> <laughs> <Wouldn't> that... <laughs> there we go. For a second, I was thinking the other way around, but then I remembered no, those yeah. cows that are watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really weird kink if he was like, yeah, I just really get turned on whenever I think of God watching me do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All my dead relatives. All right. <laughs> <laughs> dead relatives and friends just up there watching. Like, Bravo. Like good. this one's for you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Gravel's there with you now, too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You don't. Do you feel like your relatives would get desensitized to it? Like if they can watch it from above, like maybe like, yeah, that's just them. That's what they're doing. Like I don't really watch normally. And <laughs> yeah, what else is on? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I like to think that there are enough, you know, 
naked butts grinding that it would take them a long while before they finally got around to checking out mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are better shows on. <laughs> you know, you're going to watch Crim Simsworth. Why are you watching me? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Got a handful of Kelsey brothers first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. You're not as attractive as Travis Kelsey, but you might be, you know, giving the other one a run for his money. <laughs> All right. So you can continue. All right. So God's yeah. a watching. <laughs> I think you should try to normalize the watching. You try to normalize Yeah. It? Like maybe, you know. Stand out by the exit there with a little sign that says, like, we'll watch for money. <laughs> that can't possibly go wrong. <laughs> I would, so I would be more worried about the people that would be willing to pay me. Is he offering to pay money to watch, or is he offering to be paid money to watch? Either way, no losers. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's <laughs> at least two. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Bland says she's not willing to throw stones at that glass house. Roland enters and hears their uh, heated discussion. He asks what's uh, wrong, and Bland gives him the high points. Roland reminds Rose that you know they're in the hotel business and shouldn't really be making moral judgments about their guests. Uh, as soon as he says that, however, he passes an ornate sign that Blanche has posted up to welcome the Dots group uh, soon to arrive. He turns and uh, tells the girls. Those bigots and bonnets aren't staying at this hotel. Blanche immediately defends the group, though. He retorts that when they uh, put their white sheets over their heads, oh, it must be a tribute to Casper, the yeah. friendly ghost. Mm -hmm. Rose seems excited about that prospect, asking about Casper, of course. Mm -hmm. Blanche maintains that they are uh, harmless little old ladies that get together, wear white gloves, and drink tea. She says that uh, they will be filling ten rooms the time that they need the business. Uh, Blanche also reminds him that of his very recent comment uh, that not or they shouldn't be passing judgment on guests, and that they should uh, make people feel welcome. Roland then turns to uh, leave, uh, telling Blanche that he's going to put on his jockey suit and grab his lantern to stand on the lawn and quote make them feel right at home. Right. Rose is upset by this, asking uh, Blanche why he gets to dress up and but she doesn't. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That was a good follow up. Uh, we change scene uh, later in the dining room. Uh, Sophia tells Rose that she needs to attend to table number five, <laughs> uh, where the philandering couple is seated. Rose protests, uh, asking Sophia if she knows what they're doing at the hotel. Sophia says she has a pretty good idea. Right. And that she hasn't seen that much drooling since uh, they sat her at the zombie table at St. Shady Pines. Mm -hmm. He approaches the table and addresses the man, asking how his wife is doing. Yeah. He gives a somewhat uncomfortable look, but says that she's fine. She asks them if uh, they know what they'd like for dinner. The woman asks the man if they should get some wine while they look over the menu. He agrees and asks what she'd suggest. Rose cheerfully tells him that they uh, have a lovely Chardonnay that might be nice before you burn in hell the rest of your lives. I thought that was a great line. I loved it. The only thing, though, is that why would they burn in hell for the rest of their lives? Exactly. <laughs> I had another editorial thing here. This is nonsensical <laughs> response because hell is a realm outside the living world. Mm -hmm. Thus, they would actually live the remainder of their lives and then burn in hell for an eternity thereafter. Right. Which would be much worse, honestly. It would be. <laughs> For sure. If, if I have to choose, I'll give up the rest of my life and burn in hell if I don't have to stay there for the rest of eternity. Well, and if it's in the world, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't just burn up and die immediately. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, if you're going to burn up um, for the rest of your life, Miami's a pretty, you know, <laughs> typical place to do it, I would think. I had the impression they had a chilly climate. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> there are a lot of sweaters. <laughs> well, you know, the elderly, they have poor circulation. That is true. So. That is true, but. I just didn't get the impression that, you know, they were acting as if, you know, they were eating not but burning hot coals and drinking <laughs> not but burning hot cola. <laughs> I, I was thinking about The Simpsons recently, Reverend Lovejoy. Yeah. Because Gwen and I were talking about the different masses that they've had at, the, at her grade school and at her high school. Mm hmm I mean, I, I was telling her when, when we were in grade school, we had a teacher who used a guitar. Um, mm -hmm. During 
And it, Miss Lively? Yeah, Miss Lively, yeah, during. And so it made some of the hymns or whatever you want to call them a little more rockin'. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reminded me of that time when I think Brother Faith was in town. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely another <clears throat> another religious, you know, person who was uh, stealing a lot of the, the mm-hmm. patrons for the First Church of Springfield. Reverend Tim Tom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Reverend Lovejoy is like, it's time to fight Razzle with Dazzle. And then <laughs> <laughs> gets out his guitar and <laughs> plays a couple terrible licks. And <laughs> yeah. Excellent writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so you know, they wouldn't burn in hell for, you know, while they're alive. Right, so. yeah. Unless they visit a location named hell, of which there are at least two or three in the world. Mm hmm. One's in the Caribbean, and uh, me and my wife actually visited there on our honeymoon. Hmm. Went to hell for our honeymoon. Hmm? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. It's part of a. It's like a little section of an island chain. It was actually named that because, uh, like, it has weird rock formations that look like weird pillars, and looks it's all dark and charred. Oh, okay. I'm guessing it's volcanic rock, but uh, it just looked hellish. Hellish, yeah. Mm-hmm. I assumed it was because, you know, they were going to name it Helsinki, but the sign wasn't big enough. Uh, Maybe it, it was just, that, and it just <laughs> fell apart. The small <laughs> island. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Helsinki only have one L? Oh, no, man. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the, spelling it in my head as I was coming up with it. Maybe the other part of the uh, sign, Sinky down into the mud. Ha. Ha, ha. Sorry. <laughs> you should have just uh, you should have just uh, let that one die in my head <laughs> yeah I mean I think you should have just called it on pointing out Brent's potential you know spelling error <laughs> I could be wrong yeah. I don't know <laughs> no there's just the one L <laughs> hope it feels good <laughs> <laughs> Innocuous <laughs> kind of dig. <laughs> like, you thought there was two, of them, but there's only one. <laughs> and at the same time, you're calling him a racist and <laughs> you know, a child molester, or at least a pedophile. Like <laughs> what? I see the arrow points both ways. <laughs> to my own petard. Exactly. exactly. Uh, Blanche ain't the only one to not throwing stones this week. <laughs> Rose, you know, tells them to have their, their wine and burn it in hell, basically. Mm-hmm. And hearing the suggestion uh, to the couple, Roland, who is uh, quite nearby, uh, quickly escorts Rose to the uh, kitchen and politely asks her not to condemn the guest mm-hmm. as a general rule. Yeah. Rose tells Roland that uh, this matter is very personal to her and that, and tells him a story about a couple in St. Olaf that uh, also felt the uh, sting of infidelity. Right. As the story begins, <laughs> Roland kind of looks down in defeat already, just knowing that, you know, one of those St. Olaf stories is coming. Right. Rose continues that a cow couple was married in a pasture that they used to graze in shortly after the ceremony as they were taking the bride back to the barn to cut her out of the dress, uh, Tim the Bull was drawn in by a floozy painted cow who'd, quote, let anybody milk her. Mm-hmm. Rose says that all the wedding attendees turned their backs and tried not to uh, pay attention, but that was impossible to ignore the uh, clanging of the cowbells. Yeah, I did like she said, like I could still hear them clanging. <laughs> <laughs> Just then, Sophia chimes in asking Roland, or Roland, not so cute when she's telling the cow story, is she? <laughs> Roland asserts that uh, she needs to keep her emotions out of the business, but Rose says that's not much different from uh, Roland's feeling uncomfortable about the dot staying at the palace. The conversation follows into the dining room again with hushed voices. Roland is dumbfounded, saying that uh, they are not the same. Rose tries to defend Blanche, calling her a modern thinker, uh, but on cue, Blanche walks into the dining room Wearing an old style hoop dress and waving a fan and singing Dixieland. Yep. And then I think it closed with uh, um, Sophia says the funny thing or the sad thing is she's not even wearing a hoop or something. Right. Yeah, that's, that was a good good line. 
It's got that like low cut southern look to it. Uh, we change scene again. Uh, in the lobby, we see Blanche still in her fancy dress, uh, hanging a Confederate flag on the front desk. Roland enters uh, just as she's doing this and protests that she can't hang that thing up, asking her if she realizes what it represents. She seems offended, replying that it belongs to Big Big Granddaddy Hollingsworth. She then recounts that the flag would fly at her family reunions, where apparently Cousin Levin was prevalent and widely accepted, mm-hmm. uh, especially as far as Cousin Rex was involved. Yep. Home from Colonel Bob's school for bad boys. She snaps herself back into the present, and Roland uh, suggests that, yeah, hey, on Tuesdays we can hang the Nazi flag, have an uh, Oompa band play, and you can dress up like Eva Braun. Mm-hmm. Or is it Eva Braun? Eva. Eva, yeah. Uh, Do you like the way that he throws that out there like he didn't know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Throw people off the trail. As if he doesn't have her cheesecake yeah. poster on his wall. Right. As a what? As if you don't have her cheesecake poster on the wall. Cheesecake poster. You know, like a pinup type thing. Gotcha. You know, like Betty Page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blanche again that the Confederate flag is nothing like the Nazis, but Roland tries to explain that it is to him. He recounts that she sees it as a... Uh, he recounts that she sees it as a mark of tradition uh, with Southern hospitality and family memories. Uh, Blanche tells him that you know the world has changed, though, and that things aren't like uh, they were back in the Old South. Just then, the Dots uh, group arrived. <clears throat> Roland agrees to leave the flag up while they check in, but wants it to be taken down after that. Right. Roland walks away, and Blanche turns to welcome the ladies to the Golden Palace. She adds that they should not eat the mints. Yeah. I thought that was a funny ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, change scene again. Sophia approaches Rose while she's at the front desk and uh, asks what's going on, basically. Rose explains that she's been calling the Smiths every minute and a half to uh, prevent them from getting busy. Sophia seems impressed, saying that she uh, did the same thing to Stan and Dorothy after their marriage. She suggests that Rose try doing it with a German accent. I think the horse was out of the barn on that one, though. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he may have been screwing up their good time, but yeah, know, it's like they're, they're still in the same boat regardless. Yeah. <laughs> Damage had been done. Yeah. Uh, Rose acts like uh, this is a horrible thing to do, but then immediately uses the idea when calling the Smiths again. Uh, Sophia and Rose laugh at the gag, but turn uh, to greet some new guests. Another Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Rose seems suspicious of yet another couple with that last name. <clears throat> Not really a surname you hear too often. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, with, and this is another case where the man is much older than the uh, lady. She loudly voices her suspicions until Roland again arrives and ushers her to the side. He tells her they're indeed a married couple and loyal guests to the hotel. He tells her that uh, she can kiss employee of the month goodbye. Embarrassed by this news, she uh, turns to them and uh, again dons her German accent. Mm-hmm claiming to be an exchange student. Roland sees that the uh, Confederate flag is still hanging on the desk and goes to remove it. Blanche comes out and stops him, telling him that he's being overly sensitive about uh, the issue. He tries to educate her on the bigotry it still symbolizes, uh, such as colleges that won't let him in, businesses that won't hire him, crosses that still burn in lawns in both the South and the North. Blanche quips, damn Yankees. Yeah, that was funny. Upon uh, realizing that Blanche just doesn't get why he's upset, he calmly states that he'll be looking for a new job as he can't work with someone that uh, can't see this truth. Right. He exits as Blanche kind of pleads with him uh, to stay and also looks confused, you know, proving more that she doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But don't worry. This is a classic Blanche story. She'll come around, folks. <laughs> Does she, though? Sort of. I don't know. It seems to be the whole moral of this episode is that there's good sides on both sides of the issue. (laughs) (laughs) That's one take. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but at least, uh, you know, as we get there, it's not a situation where she's like, no, it's only good sides on my side of the issue. You're wrong. (laughs) At least she acknowledges there's also bad sides on her side of the issue. We'll talk about it at the end, but Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and later on in the kitchen, Sophia is questioning Chewy on a menu item, uh, which is called sausage on split bread. Mm-hmm. She claims that it's just a hot dog and nobody is going to order it. Uh, Chewy relates, though, a harrowing story of people suffering 
and lined up in the rain for uh, a little sausage because that's the only food available. Rose asked if it was that bad in the barrio, which, mm. if you don't know, is a Spanish-speaking neighborhood. Uh, Chewy explains that no, I was just talking about last week of the Dolphins game. Yeah. Rose talks to the girls and tells them that uh, she realizes it may uh, not be a popular opinion, but she's worried about the couple uh, and knows that, uh, or she knows they're coming to commit adultery in their hotel. Uh, she tries to uh, compare it to when Sal di- or Sophia tries to compare it to when Sal died and how she had to care for Dorothy as a single mother. Blanche corrects her though and says that Dorothy actually was caring for her. Uh, and it's this, like, oh, that would explain the free food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rose then states that she wants uh, to institute a rule that people cannot use the hotel to cheat on their spouse. Blanche kind of rolls her eyes at the thought of uh, being overly chased. Uh, the conversation then devolves into a story about Rose and Charlie periodically visiting the St. Olaf Hotel uh, to, quote, Thank you. spice things up. <laughs> Uh, dressing up like their favorite storybook characters. In case you were wondering why Brent said thank you, if you've heard a little bit of scratching, it's because Brent has been writing on a piece of paper that was sitting directly on the table, so I slid a little notebook under there. Do you hear it pretty well? Yeah, so that he can continue his doodling. Okay. Um, <laughs> while, a know, little bit muffled? Yes, exactly. Quite a bit. I actually can't hear it at all now. Excellent. What's your favorite storybook character? I don't know. I guess it would depend on the context. If it was sexy, talking with a little Red Riding Hood, it sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) And you wonder why we make the jokes we make. Yeah, I I wonder. (laughs) If nothing else, it's golden, uh, you know, material. Oh, I thought you said if nothing else, it's Goldilocks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite, Brent? Favorite storybook character? Um, Not especially. You, Alan? (laughs) Um, uh, Rip Van Winkle. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> What's that, Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. The Beowulf. Babe, Babe the Blue Ox count? Yeah, it counts. Sure. Hmm. It's a fun one. Mm-hmm. The giant blue ox. He is. He is. Hung out with Paul Bunyan. That's right. He was a lusty, zestful man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta think, if he was uh, that tall of a person... Mm-hmm. How much metal went into his axe? Mm, yeah, wasn't it like like Mount Rushmore or something like, or I Mount Saint Helens? Or I haven't something. read I any of those or read any of those old table things for a long time. Yeah. Well, I guess you better start because Brent's got questions. He apparently does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel well underprepared. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they go there to spice things up by dressing up their favorite storybook characters. She continues that. Uh, one day, Charlie went into the bathroom to dress up like the big bad wolf. She That's says, a good one, too. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> says that she turned out the lights. Uh, then Chewie questioned why you know they would play dress up and turn off the lights. Rose had no explanation, but then felt silly about this thought. Uh, furthermore, there was a uh, confusing bit about the hotel having a dumb waiter elevator system for room service, uh, but also having a dumb waiter that came to the room. Right. Uh, the waiter apparently jumped in the bed with Mrs. Nyland and played along. Charlie then entered and asked who uh, was sleeping in his bed. Rose says that she was uh, in her red riding hood outfit, but uh, was clearly, clearly he was clearly looking for Goldilocks. It never was really clarified if anything physical happened between Rose and uh, this waiter, who seemed pretty out of line and may have committed a felony. Yeah, I would say so. Just as an aside, um, two things. Um, just Chewie's, you know, questioning her about, you know, if it was a tiny elevator or just a dumb waiter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, her response that, and the guy that jumped out wasn't that bright either. <laughs> yeah. You right. know, that was just my favorite line. That episode. was a pretty good line. Yeah, that was a good one. I, found, and, I did find the wording of the conversation still confusing, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Like, you, they never really clarified if anything actually happened or if he just was talking dirty to Rose. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they do say that Charlie saw him and then, Huffed and puffed, and then because he was so and hyperventilated and, and passed, passed out. out. Yeah, yeah. So I assume that put a crimp in whatever plans the dumb waiter had. Well, either that, or if Charlie's passed out, then that opens Opening, up the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's That's not going to bother us. Yeah, and yeah. Rose is already hot and bothered from yeah. the dirty talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no cows watching. That's true. Maybe somebody else dressed the, like the cow that jumped over the moon. Yeah, <laughs> the Lord was watching. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more aside. Um, if you can go with Babe the Blue Ox, then I can go with Robin Hood. So of that's course. what I'm going with for my. Okay. Now, are you going with Disney's Robin Hood or just a. Just the Robin Hood character in general. It could be Disney's. It could be Errol Flynn. It could be Kevin Costner. I don't care. Just Robin Hood. <laughs> well, like I said, storybook character. So I think it has to just be the storybook version. Yeah. Fair enough. And I'll go with the pig that made his house out of stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. He was Just the 1% pig. One. <laughs> exactly. Um, I forget what it was. King Hold Arthur? On. Say what? King Arthur? Nope. <laughs> Rick Astley? Still no. Okay. There is a... I'm trying to remember what it was in context for. Cinderella. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and stop talking and okay. I'll just proceed with the story. That's fair. Beowulf. <laughs> If I if I can remember the details, I'll bring it up later. Okay. Grindle. Say what? Hmm? Yes. Okay. No. Maybe. He doesn't know. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Grindle. Grindle. Oh, I don't really know much about Grindle. I know uh, they used Grindle as a comic character early on. Oh, nice. I think it was on. Uh, they did the same thing with Lobo. Yeah. Not Sheriff Lobo. Do you know what Grindle was on on? I don't know. I think that actually is just a term that refers to the, um, you know, underside of your sack. Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's your Grindle. I thought that was called your Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually for R- the uncircumcised. <laughs> so the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> your your Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, dumb bit. waiters. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rose, Rose had a little story about you know. Yeah, man jumps out and all that. Yeah. yeah. Sophia looks to the sky, and asks the Lord not to take her now because she doesn't want this to be the last story she ever hears. Right. Uh, we change scene again. Uh, now Rose is in the hallway. We assume in front of room two hundred seven. She's hearing noises. Uh, she uh, tells herself that she needs to be more tolerant, but then she opens the door, and then we jump ahead. Uh, uh, they basically directly to the scene of her uh, following the, the cheating couple as they walk down the stairs, uh, not fully dressed. She apologizes profusely, but they're, uh, it's not making any impact on them. They approach the desk and tell Blanche they want to check out, and we are told that Rose invaded their privacy, including getting into bed with them and singing hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may also have been an illegal act. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Mr. Smith uh, adds that uh, she was babbling something about cowbells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he says that it used to be a nice, discreet hotel and that they shouldn't keep Rose on staff, basically. Rose bats back, though, that he shouldn't be cheating on his wife. The man tells her that that's none of her business and that he is a close relationship with this lady that he's with. I have to think about it for a second. She reminds him, Arlene. Uh, Roland comes up to the desk and tells Rose that she did the right thing. Rose is confused by this statement and asks why he says that. Roland tells her that sometimes your principles are more important than maintaining business. Blanche, still having uh, the Confederate flag on the front desk, immediately recognizes the implication of his statement and reiterates that she is not a bigot and won't be called one, demanding that he stop. Roland then turns and uh, feigns a meek southern voice saying, Oh yes, ma'am, Miss Devereaux. Old Roland don't want no want to cause you no trouble at all. Hearing this, one of the dots walks up to Blanche and tells her to hold on to this one. He's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Blanche looks at her in disgust and then follows after Roland into the dining room. She proclaims to him that you know she does not feel like that old that other woman, but Roland reiterates that her love of the flag is what brings her love for family memories and the bigotry of racism and the dots and other hate groups. Uh, of the past and present kind of together, kind of links them. Mm-hmm. Roland provides examples of discrimination that he's uh, personally uh, been submitted to, like people crossing the street to avoid him and his friends. All right. Blanche asks, you know, you know how is she supposed to view her own memories and all of her family and friends? Uh, she recounts some of her own life memories. <laughs> but that's really not a Roland's business. <laughs> he's like, think of him what you want. <laughs> you know, you can't be doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. I would have to say, though, I took it a little bit more as Blanche thinking out loud with Roland as just kind of like a sounding uh, board. So. I agree. I think that's true. And okay. she was, I think she was, I think it was just two friends having a conversation at that point. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah if, her if kind this, of realizing, like, just coming to that 
shocking realization. If, if like, is, oh, wait you know, a second. The okay. real world, then, you know, what does that say about my life? Yep. And all the people I care about. That's a question some of us at this table should ask. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the one of us who were just earlier was talking about looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, Blanche, you know, talking to herself or whatever about how she should view her own family and her own memories and such, she recounts some of her own life memories, including when Rebecca was born, basically calling her an ugly baby when compared to the baby of her roommate's uh, baby at the hospital that just happened to be black. Uh, apparently, George loudly asserted that he disliked the accommodations mm-hmm. of having to use the same room as them, that uh, their family. Uh, he's, <laughs> George wasn't about to be in an integrated <laughs> hospital. Yeah. I guess, man. And that's that's a, something they really ever talked about before as part of his uh, personality, did they? No. I know they were a Southern family. Yeah, but no, I mean, they talked about it more like Big Daddy. I'm kind of making jokes about that, but they certainly never really alluded to George having yeah. some racist tendencies. But, well, too. But then, Big Daddy and, um, you know, the maid, though. Yeah, that's true. They had a decade-long affair. Anyway, she stumbles into this realization that her memories are a bit tarnished by the truth, right? Mm -hmm. She apologizes to him and asks him to stay. Roland says that she'll have to listen to him in the future, though. Uh, He states that uh, the world is pretty messed up and it won't uh, get any better until white people start making positive assumptions about uh, people of color and then vice versa. Yeah. They agree to get uh, past their own barriers and trust one another. They then shake hands and then hug. And then that's the, the end. But we do have a post-credit scene. Okay. Uh, another Mr. Smith is trying to check in, and Rose is questioning if there is a Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. The man says no, but that there is a Mr. Jones. Rose is relieved and tells him that, you know, tells the man it's hard to believe what will happen in hotels. She hands him the room key, and the men take each other's hands and head back to her room. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's the end. Solid little, uh, you know, little tip, extra. Tip hat. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, so we had uh, a few guest actors in that one. Uh, Billy L. Sullivan um, played mm-hmm. Oliver for his seventh <laughs> of eight times. Who? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was his first episode. We've seen him in six. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, when his final appearance arrives. Uh, we had It'd be a crazy, but it was just as brief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's where I left my baseball glove. Yeah, <laughs> we had Charles Napier. Uh, yeah, masquerading as Mr. Smith number one. <laughs> uh, Two hundred thirty-six titles for him. The majority of those as an actor. This was his uh, only golden appearance. Mm-hmm. He did have four episodes of The Simpsons. I, I didn't go through as he wasn't like the same character, but I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that he had four of them. Yeah, uh, fifty-two episodes. I want to say, like, was this first one where he was like the security guard who busted Bart for shoplifting? No, that was Lee somebody Carvalho. else. Okay. Um, but. Uh, that was a good episode, but no. Um, Didn't but, he steal a video game or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Bone Crusher or something. And so then he ended up getting though, like Lee Carvalho's yeah. budding challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bone Storm, I think, as it was. Bone Storm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might have been Bone Storm Four or something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, he was in fifty-two episodes as uh, in on the cartoon of Men in Black as Zed, which I didn't even realize there was an animated Men in Black. But, <laughs> I don't yeah. think I saw it. Yeah, um, he was in. They did not get Will Smith and Tommy well, Lee yeah, Jones to do the voices. Didn't figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in both Austin Powers one and two. Uh, mm-hmm. One episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Uh, Twenty-three episodes of um, The Critic. He was in the Science of the Lambs, The Incredible Hulk Returns, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Yeah, uh, forty-nine episodes of The Incredible Hulk as mm-hmm. uh, Hulk and uh, John Blake, and then a three. The Lou Ferrigno one. Uh, yep, and then three. Of, I, I don't know if like he played the Hulk in like an early episode or part of the. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not sure how that worked out, but maybe he was like. Um... When they're doing the transformation, he was the mid-step between yeah. <laughs> Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. That'd be kind of great. Yeah. Um, that's your claim to fame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For about one second in You every can see episode. it right there. That's my face. Yeah, exactly. It kind of got blurred out. Because, those you know, those are my nips. <laughs> I had, uh, three pants episodes. are just starting to tear. Yeah, exactly. He had three episodes of Mission Impossible, which I thought I'd mention since Brent yeah. has just recently gone through that yeah. or is still in the process yeah. perhaps. And then he was in one episode of the original Star Trek as Adam. We had a uh, Camila Amin. She, she was also Silence of the Lambs. I said that. Okay. He did. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Camilla Amin, she was Mrs. Smith number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 titles, those are only Golden Girls. Uh, one episode of Star Trek Folklore, um, or Fables and Folklore, as uh, the ant slash uh, bar wench. <laughs> um, I thought it was funny that this, I believe, an, ep- an animated show. Okay. I feel like it's funny that they have a character named the bar wench mm-hmm. in an animated <laughs> show. Uh, then we had uh, Arthur Ekdahl. He played Mr. Smith number two. Um, eight titles for him, his only golden appearance. Uh, Joe Alasky, he played Mr. Smith number three. Mm-hmm. 205 titles for him, 160 as an uh, actor. Almost all of them, or at least the vast majority, were as a voice actor. So none of them were actually named Smith? <laughs> yeah, it's shocking, mm-hmm. isn't it? All <laughs> liars. Dirty liars. He played uh, Daffy Duck quite a bit. A lot of different mm-hmm. uh, Looney Tunes characters, but Daffy Duck probably more than any of the others. Mm-hmm. But he seemed to be almost like a Mel Blanc type as mm-hmm. far as doing a ton of different, like Sylvester and Bugs Bunny and whatnot. But like I said, more Daffy than the rest. Um, I don't know if I said it, but this was his only golden. He was in one episode of Nurses as a Trekker number one, no. which I thought, I wonder if that's Trekker as in like a Trekkie or a Trekker and mm-hmm. you know someone who took a Trek. Yeah. But either way. Uh, then we had a Joyce Meadows. She played uh, Mrs. Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. 78 titles for her. This was her only golden appearance. Uh, she was in episodes of Punky Brewster, Perry Mason. She was in Breakfast at Tiffany's and uh, Alfred Hatch- Hitchcock Presents. Ooh. And then, uh, but I think that uh, Ski probably remembers her best as a Sally Fallon in the brain from Planet Arouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. The one place I've seen her besides this. Yeah. <laughs> you recognized her immediately, right? <laughs> well, when you've watched it that many times. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, Ski, who got your MVP for this episode? I gave it to Roland. I thought, you know, it's prog- specifically a progressive episode with uh, pretty strong undertones. Uh, I said if Roland uh, does quit Golden Palace, I bet he'd uh, do quite well in the Air Force. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> Work right up through the ranks. Um, how about you, Brent? Who got your MVP? Oh, Charles Napier. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that that's uh, not much better than giving it to Professor Cooper. Um. <laughs> well, I never did that. I gave it to the dean, that's so true, yeah. screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but in your heart, you did. <laughs> You've carried it with you for six seasons, seven seasons, that that was who got it for you. Uh, but I gave mine to Roland also. I thought he did a solid performance. Um, mm mm-hmm. Probably the most dramatic so far of the uh, Golden Palace oh, episodes, for yeah. sure. But I thought it was handled better than some of the dramatic episodes of Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah. So. I definitely think, I don't know, like if we were to rank, you know, just quality of acting, I think Don Cheadle is always going to come up ahead of... <laughs> yeah, most others, yeah. He's really solid. Yeah. He is deep. So how many slices of cheesecake for you, Ski? I actually gave it six and a half. Mm-hmm. I thought while it was uh, obviously difficult topics... Uh, they handled it fairly well. There were a few problematic scenes, I thought, but uh, only seen through today's lens. Sure. Mean. How about you, Brent? Uh, two and a half. Didn't care much for it? Uh, I didn't think it was amusing at all. Not enough Bill and Marty? Yeah. <laughs> even, <laughs> I don't know. Even if you take away, you know, the A storyline or whatever, just Rose being a prude. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not Rose. You know, she's a live and let live kind of gal. Yeah. Actually, I don't know because there is an episode specifically called Rose the Prude, which I think is like two or three. That's true. But isn't that where she like learns to love again and I after know, that she lets her freak flag fly <laughs> <laughs> with Arnie and, you know, and all the other men. there forward and <laughs> whoever else we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely fall more in line with Brent on that one. While I thought that acting performance-wise, Roland's performance was one of the top ones of the season, just as far as the quality of it. Mm-hmm. I still didn't like the episode that well. Yeah. I, I gave it a three. I thought it was, you know, like you said, neither side of the story were things that I was particularly crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought that it was a good poignant story about race relations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give it credit for that. But it, you know, it probably sacrificed a little too much of the funny to have that. No, I, I would agree with that. And then Rose's story, like I said, it just it kind of made her almost seem a little crazy. Um, mm-hmm. More than just yeah. you know being worried about her. Well, know, I mean, friends. yeah, she could definitely be seeing some legal action in the future. Sure. <laughs> so, if one of you two saw, you know, a uh, a former coworker, someone who you liked, you know, mm-hmm. coworker's husband or wife for that matter, stepping out on them. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're not going to say it's like me or Ski, like it's not someone who you're like a close friend with, mm-hmm. but someone who you you know 
we're relatively close work-wise, like mm-hmm. a close work friend with. Yeah. Um, do you think that you would tell that person? Do you think you would in any way intervene, or would you yeah. just feel bad for that person and yeah. move it's, on with your life? It's none of my concern, mm-hmm. you know. I don't need to insert myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, maybe they have a hall pass or, you oh, know, okay. whatever. It's none of my none of my business, especially if I'm, you know, on a bi-weekly basis running a struggling hotel that can't fill rooms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean like if you knew that one of our listeners was stepping out on their uh, spouse who you used to work with, you'd be like, we need the listens. <laughs> so exactly. I just, I just hope they've got their side piece listening as well. Right. <laughs> Separately, not together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a separate download. <laughs> I think Ski would fall more the other way, though. What do you think, Ski? Uh, It would probably depend on how well I knew the person. If I was real close to him, I think I would tell him. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I I might even confront the person saying, hey, aren't you, you know, so and so's husband or something? Yeah. And they would know they were caught, maybe. I don't know. Adultery makes baby Jesus cry. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think that's the, the problematic thing with that, though, is that who you consider yourself particularly close with would be like the woman who asked you for money in a parking lot 23 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, so I just think you're standard. You bet? Yeah. How's exactly. she doing? <laughs> exactly. You talked to her. Like the, the, the cashier at Arby's who put one curly fry in with your regular fries. <laughs> that was the best out of them, man. I'll tell you. I went with the normal fries, but she knew. What if it was someone who you knew had a violent side? Like mm. the, the, the significant other. Let's say that you had never seen that person be violent with their their spouse, mm-hmm. but you had seen You him. mean the cheater is violent or the person who is being cheated the on? The person who's being cheated on is violent. And, oh. But you've never seen him be like, you know, like violent towards his significant other. He's not like a, you know, spousal abuse kind of a person, at least that you're in any way aware of. Mm-hmm. But you do fear that this person who you're close to may, you know, React poorly. Yeah, exactly. Towards either the the spouse or towards then the you do it anonymously. other side. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I th- I think in that <laughs> case, confronting the spouse would probably be your best bet. <laughs> so you're like, hey, listen, you already know. You already know how he's going to react if he finds out. So you better quit, mm-hmm. right? Naughty, naughty mm-hmm. girl. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So all he's doing is increasing the likelihood that the wronged spouse is gonna, you know, put their own head in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ski. So do you want to? Uh, do you have any stories for us to finish I us does. out? Oh, you does. I does. I does. All right. I does with Dorothy's diary. Okay. This one is entitled "Ever the Teacher." All right. Uh, despite the fact that Lucas has a very comfortable salary, mm-hmm. and Dorothy doesn't need to work. I think we all know she's not content with simply staying at home every day. She ain't one to rest on her laurels. Right. That's true. So Dorothy registered with the Atlanta Metropolitan School District uh, to substitute teach. They told her that a school near her home actually needed regular help and that she would be more than helpful at the Mont Blanc Academy, a school for gifted youth. Knowing that she hadn't been to a classroom for several months and that this school was for advanced students, Dorothy was admittedly a bit nervous uh, the first day of her, of the, on the day of her first assignment, she wore her signature f- five-layer flowing pantsuit, <laughs> a smile, and shoes that made her even look taller and more intimidating than normal. She arrived early on her first uh, for her first period, but all the students were already at their desk and reading their current chapter. Mm. She introduced herself and writes her name on the board, but told them that uh, you know what a pleasure it was to meet them all. She continues that uh, they should feel free to continue reading and can even go ahead and talk to one another until the period officially begins. They all opt to simply keep reading. The bell rings and she again tells them good morning and uh, says let's get started. She asks if anyone is willing to tell her what topic and chapter they are uh, studying their textbook. A young man named Radcliffe raises his (laughs) hand confidently and tells her that they are actually in the midst of a side project outside of their text. Uh, their normal teacher also works for NASA, but is currently on special assignment <laughs> at the Huntsville, Alabama location. <laughs> the last topic they discussed was regarding the electromagnetic pull of astral black holes and their effect on ultraviolet rays. <laughs> Dorothy's face drops visibly to the students. Radcliffe asks her, ma'am, do you know anything about that topic? 
we can just have a self-study period, or we can break into small groups <laughs> and work on our science projects. <laughs> Realizing that she was well out of her element, she agrees that the students would benefit from a day of working on their projects, but that she would be happy to give feedback if they have any specific questions. All right. They uh, dutifully break into small groups and begin discussing their topics. Meanwhile, Dorothy grabs several books off the teacher's shelf and realizes that she is the one that needs to study. She was slated to, te to teach this class for the next two weeks. The end. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> She's got to rethink her potato light bulb experiment. <laughs> it's a, a Zborny. Yeah. <laughs> she can handle the potatoes even better. <laughs> It's like, do you kids think that you can take the jacket off of a potato without burning your hands? <laughs> 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 Fucking geniuses. <laughs> well, now. That was a solid story, Ski. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well done. So like the call back to the uh, topic. Oh, yes. definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I like when you tie it in. I think it's <laughs> yeah. great. So. All right. Well, I don't think we have anything else. So uh, to laughter, to life, to love, to us. Mm -hmm. Stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.